Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate with you today, Cesar Love. Now, Cesar is somebody who has this incredible way of bringing together sports and astrology. And in his work, you can feel that there's a lot of love for sports and for astrology itself. And so actually, he is the host of a podcast called Love Sports Astrology, which is just the perfect name. And he is coming to Synchronicity University this January 2024 as part of the speaker series uh, that we have on offer and he's going to be talking about basketball and astrology and all of that together. You've got a very limited time left to choose your tuition rate. As always, just $5 a class, an unheard of rate to learn from Cesar and to learn about sports and astrology as you're going to learn today as well. Cesar, thank you for being here. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. What's it like over there in Canada? Well, right now I happen to be in Canada. I am visiting my parents uh, and it's cold as you would expect Canada to be. Mm, it's home. I was born and raised here, but I have a Sag moon. So I'm much more at home in airports and in the world and, uh, and traveling. That is, that is where I feel at home most. Now, what's home for you right now? I live in San Francisco. I'm a California boy lived here most of my life. Actually, God, everything but all of my life. But I write about is great. Yes. I write about teams that are located all over North America. And my main connection with sports is through the teams. Um, what I love to do is research the history of teams, find out their inception date, when were they born, and then look through the history and connect it with their cast of birth chart get rectify it through events in their history that's my passion i spent years writing my book about baseball i have a copy here to throw oh exciting baseball and astrological sci-fi. okay it's not what showing was, up it's not showing up that's okay because it's getting uh blotted out by the the okay. cg effect but it's okay can you bring it closer to the screen or something oh there we go there we go yeah, we got we go. it okay, okay. yeah as I like to tell people, this is the hill I chose to die on. I would have died on, but I did not. Um, this is what I dedicated a very large part of my life to get to, to doing the research, getting getting bringing this to fruition, and it's wow. done. And I'm and it's about the history of every major league baseball team currently playing um, from an astrological perspective. And so it's how how you can see astrology. Within, the, within every baseball game being played. I give examples on how to actually witness the transits in games. If you, if you have the chart of the team in your hand and the chart of the two teams playing. Um, but enough about baseball. We're going to be talking about basketball in this talk because I've now started researching basketball in the NBA. And basketball is equally as fascinating as baseball. And that's going to be the subject of this talk. But I think my passion is teams, teams history. A lot of people do, or I wouldn't say a lot of people are doing sports astrology, but uh, I don't know how many really are. But most of them focus on the individual players. When they talk, they want to see what transits a player is going under when he has a great game or a terrible game. But, but me, I like to look at the teams as an organic entity. 
um, and want to see what's affecting the team as a whole. That's that's my fascination with astrology and sports. And so looking at the transits of the team itself can tell you what kind of year they might have. When yes. that makes yeah, yes. yeah. That's and, really and what exciting. Kind of, what kind of yeah, what kind of day, what kind of month, what kind of week? Uh perhaps um you can narrow it down to an actual hour. So there's a lot there. And looking at the origin of the team itself, but earlier when we were talking just off camera, you were saying that basketball itself has an origin chart. Can you talk about that? Yes, yes. Um, this is what, this is interesting because unlike baseball, well, baseball, its origins are as old as the hills. It's like an ancient pagan fertility ritual that has evolved into the game we now have. But basketball, we've got a date of the very first game. It was invented by this Scots, Scotch-Canadian named James Naismith. And he invented it in, in well, well, a teacher at the School of Christian Workers in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it happened during the in the 1890s during the conjunction of Pluto and Neptune, which happens every 500 years. You may know from like writings of, what's the name of that guy? Who wrote Cosmos and Psyche? His name that is Richard Tarnas. He has exactly. taught uh, before at Synchronicity University. Yes, Richard Tarnas. Okay. Yeah, Richard Tarnas talks about the, the, the conjunction of Neptune and Pluto happening every 500 years, signaling a change in the age. Just what was happening in the 1890s is you've got the, 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 the waning of the old order based on Enlightenment assumptions and on Christianity and a return of Dionysian energy that's going on. So during this conjunction in the 1890s, you've got jazz music, surrealism, uh, a return of this kind of wild Dionysian fuel. And you also have basketball. That intense rapture that happens in the game of basketball is because of that conjunction of Pluto and Neptune there in his birth chart. And so... If we look at transits to that chart, we can say something about maybe how popular the game is going to be in a given year or season. Because some seasons take people more by surprise than others, right? Okay, so I'm not a sports person at all. But I, of course, am part of the collective. And I remember years ago, there was like something called Lynn Sanity. Right. So there was Jeremy Lin and he kind of captured the imagination of the public. There was like a few months there where he just had this lucky streak and it was called Lin Sanity. That was like, I think 10 years ago or something like that. Right. Um, could something like that be seen in the, in the chart? Do you think for, uh, basketball itself? That would be an interesting to look at thing to look at because he was Chinese. And what was, since it's a global game, and what would be happening to the chart of the game on a global level? Yeah, I would think that would be there. But what I want to talk about in my research, I've done research on what was happening with basketball in the 1936 Olympics, which was a real challenge for the game. The game at that time was 
Kim was born in the 1890s. The 1936 Olympics were, were held in Berlin in Nazi Germany um, during a real challenging time in world history. Uh, the game, the, the Olympics was was nearly boycotted by a lot of countries, you know, to protest Hitler and the Nazis in power and all that, but it was not. And basketball is very, it's a humanitarian Aquarian game. It's a team game where people come together who are different races, different colors, different ethnicities and play as a team. This is a game, this is a team that's brought people together. That's been a venue for civil rights. Um, but so here is what's going to happen in the 1936 Olympics. This is the, it's suddenly this game that has spread like wildfire and is popular all over the world is supposed to showcase itself as a game, but yet is it a compromise for this humanitarian instrument to be there and at the Nazi, at the Nazi hosted Olympics? Um, should, should these teams of, these teams have just boycotted and not played? Um, well, it's interesting that what was going on there, the, the, the game itself was having a Uranus opposition during the 1936, during the, so Uranus opposition usually happens. It's a midlife crisis. It's a crisis of principles. This game stands for all these Aquarian, Uranian things, brotherhood, bringing people together. And then, okay, you're suddenly now prove it in the face of the Nazis. So I write up, I've written about that. I'm going to talk about that in the, in their, when, in the class that I'm giving. I, I've been fascinated, long fascinated by the 1936 Olympics, long before I started doing this research on basketball. So I've been really digging into what was going on, what was happening with the teams. Um, interestingly, the, the, um, the, I'll talk about the United States didn't, do all that great in terms of their record of standing against anti-Semitism in the 1936 Olympics. They, there were two Jewish players on the track, the United States track team that were just kind of taken off the team to not offend the Nazi hosts. And, um, but the basketball team did have a Jew on the team and he was allowed to play. Um, the Canadians, I believe, also had Jews on their team and they were allowed to play. But there were no African Americans on the U.S. team. Uh, perhaps they they just weren't playing it at that level at this point in history. I'm not totally sure. Um, but interestingly, and the last the last game in the in the Olympics, the championship game was the U.S. against Canada, and the it was oddly refereed by a Chinese person. The referee was Chinese. So it ended up being an interesting combination of races and nationalities in, in, in the 1936 Olympics, despite the Nazis looking down on all this. So I don't know. It was kind of like a mixed. It, it, you know, basketball didn't really win, but it didn't really lose. It was sort of a tie. Okay. It's like if they're the forces of good and brotherhood up against the forces of evil fascism and nazism it, it was somewhat sort of a tie so i want to talk about this what 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 is it that basketball really stands for it stands for a lot and there it was in 1936 it was up against a pretty fierce opponent and that'll happen in your your honest return you're, you're challenged but mm. you could you're you know you may win you may lose you may come up something like a tie
It's interesting because collectively, I mean, I remember certain very iconic images from that particular Olympic game. There was um, some track uh, stars from the U.S., who did take a moment and did take a stand for um, for a sense of equality, who are African-American. But then apparently once they got home, they were kind of ostracized. Now I know that's a whole different sport. Um, but it's interesting to consider how when the Olympics happen, they always happen within a cultural moment and within a context. And sometimes those contexts are not um rooted in the principles of the game itself and i think that's what you're illustrating quite perfectly yeah yeah that's there is the context and yeah it's 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 struggling against a saturnian reality and i one thing i need to do is research what was the astrology behind fascism in the 1930s what was really going on i I think it's probably there would probably was some kind of a Pluto Saturn aspect happening that brought such harsh things. It's something that we need to be aware of right now. That fascism is, is is has returned, and I wonder if a similar thing is happening astrologically as was happening back then. I'm not really a mundane astrologer, but it's always it's it it would inf it's going to inform my study when I go when I do the research. So uh, can I ask, because I always like to give people something they can use, right? Like I, I'm always like, if you watch an interview of Synchronicity Web TV, you should be able to come away with something like a new skill or an interpretation or an insight or something. And so what is it that people can use, right? like, let's say just for fun and just for giggles, if somebody wanted to say, hey, I want to see if my favorite team is going to win this weekend. Maybe they're doing it to gamble, but we won't talk about that as much. <laughs> or maybe we can, but okay. They just want to see what the odds are, what the stars favor in terms of winning. Can you mention like maybe one or two different transits or aspects or something that uh, you might want to pay attention to, to a team or maybe, you know, the captain or whatever, what can people utilize right away? Okay. Is there anything? Yes. Okay. I, first of all, I, I don't recommend gambling, but I will give this tip. It's just something fascinating to watch. When there's a championship game, when the last, this works better in baseball than other sports, but when the last out is decided, if there's a pennant winner or World Series winner, there's inevitably an intense aspect to Saturn. At the, when when the championship is decided, it's Saturn that crowns the winners. The winners are going to have a good aspect from Saturn at it, it, in in their winning season, in their championship season, and in baseball, inevitably, this is what I always when a pennant is about to be won, a World Series is about to be won. I, I I've got I, I've got the computer program. I'm saying, okay, is it really going to end now? Is is there about to be an MC, an MC or an IC or the Moon? an aspect of Saturn transit, either either transit, either Saturn in the sky or Saturn in first chart of a team. There is inevitably a some serious transit at the very moment to the planet Saturn. It's ironic because Saturn's a Saturn's a planet of hard knocks and it's the planet of, of losing and the planet of everything going wrong, but it's also the planet that crowns the champions. 
at the end of the season. Wow, that's incredible. Because I know just looking at a natal chart, for example, one of the things that astrologers might look at, if they see your natal chart, they see a very strongly placed Saturn, they may say like, okay, wow, there's hardships in earlier life, but this person does the work that success requires. They're able to sort of put in the time necessary that success often requires and, and have that sense of perseverance. And it's so fascinating that that shows up in terms of winning teams as well, in terms of winning in sports, because so much of it is the preparation, isn't it? It's all that time you put in going back many, many years, sometimes decades, the time that you've put in to prepare for that moment of that, that game, that event. Exactly, exactly. It's and a season is very long. There's ups and downs. It's it's a uh, you fall off the mountain and you got to get back on it. But the champions do that. They mm. they endure, they persevere and they they win in the end and with the backing of with the backing of Saturn. They have to That's... be in a good relationship with their Saturn, with their personal Saturn and with the the Saturn transits that they're having. Okay, I have a side note question. And the side note question is, I have a friend who swears that in his general observations of the charts of successful athletes, he has been surprised at how many charts lack the fire element. And so normally you see a, like fire represents athletics and the physical, you know, that, that sense of that life force that allows people to really excel in sports, for example, uh, involving the body. But people who lack a fire element, it's fascinating to me. It's almost like they work harder. But I think as you're talking, Saturn is likely a piece of that as well. But have you considered that in terms of athletes, like what type of disposition they might have astrologically it's funny because my i don't really focus on the athletes on the on the charts of athletes i do in their relationship to teams and i know my my partner on the podcast andrea malice um, talks a lot about mars cycles she'll she'll key in on mars cycles on on uh, as far as how they relate to athletes but my my interest, at least in baseball, is how signs correspond to certain positions that people are playing. So a person does not have to ex have to have an abundance of fire to be a natural at a position. Because I have um, the sign Libra rules second baseman, and, and pitchers are ruled by Mercury. It could be they could be Virgos or they could be Gemini's, and catchers are ruled by Cancer and by the Moon. Um, so you've got the water, each, each element is represented within baseball. So I'm not, I haven't, I know that's the way the old textbooks tell you about athletes. Oh, they're, they've, they're Sagittarius, Aries, Leo, and it's okay. Andrea often says it's Mars energy, energy, exertion, aggression, and that when they're in tune with that, it may work out, you know, so I would tend to agree with your friend, but I haven't done a lot of research to back it up. It's not something I've really focused on because uh, I, I, 
when I look at charts of athletes, I, I do this, I try to line them up with their positions. How, what is it? Some are, you know, a lot of, especially players are going to be naturals of their positions. What, what is it, what is it in their sign that gets them in vibe with that? It's amazing to consider all the different layers that are involved and, and how we can use astrology and maybe how perhaps some coaches have tried to use astrology over the years. I'm sure there must have been. There must have been some. Are you aware? Well, I, yes, I know Gen the Oakland Athletics, the general manager, Charlie Finley, the owner in the 70s, consulted an astrologer who predicted to him that he would win three consecutive World Series, and it turned out to be true. I never actually got to speak to that astrologer before she died. I was hoping to. I wanted to like show her my book and say, hey, you're in it, blah, blah, please talk to me. What did you, what did you actually say? That, that, yeah, she died before I could have that conversation with her. So that's on record. That's been documented that this general manager used astrology, but but I, the, ma the field manager, whether he used it or not, how that's working out, it's one of those things that may be being done secretly and quietly, and they just can't yet admit it either because they'll be laughed at, or they just, it's all about having a, an edge over your opponent. So it could be just a small thing. If someone in there is deciding, okay, we're going to pitch this pitcher instead of that pitcher, not because of the analytics, but because of the transits. Yeah, I think that would, they, I, yeah, if they want to call me and ask me to give the give consultation, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for them, but no one's called me go. yet. Well, there you go. For all those teams out there, I'm sure somebody's got to find you. That's for sure. Uh, and so this is so fascinating. It is something so different than what we normally have at Synchronicity University. And once again, you guys, uh, we are going to have basketball and astrology all together. Thanks to Cesar Love at Synchronicity University as part of the January 2024 speaker series. You've got just a little bit of time left, a few days left to choose your tuition rate as well as just $5 a class to learn from Cesar and some of these other brilliant astrologers and also to learn about this connection, sports and astrology and just how fascinating it is from someone who's done a whole lot of research in it. Cesar, I have found this so interesting. It has been so nice to meet you. I'm really looking forward to your talk. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to it too. It's just, hey, yeah, when you're passionate about something, you just you just want to share. It's like, I mean, this is better than making a batch of cookies and having everybody eat it, love it. I mean, this is this is just beyond that. Okay, now I want a cookie, honest. <laughs> but I also want to go and watch some baseball, basketball, something, and contemplate what Saturn aspects might be playing out in that moment. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to be doing that for a while after having spoken to you. Cesar, thank you again for being here. And thank you, everybody out there, once again, for watching. Until we connect again, take care. Bye.